0: This is the Parenting ADHD Podcast with Petty Williams. Each week, Petty shares proven ADHD parenting strategies and her hard-won ADHD mama wisdom. This is not your physician's podcast. Penny discusses the genuine grit of the moment-by-moment peaks and valleys of this special parenthood. She'll lift you up and empower you to help your child and your family thrive. It's time to beat the chaos and challenges of raising a child with ADHD. Here's your host, Penny Williams.
1: Thanks for joining me on this next episode of the Parenting ADHD Podcast. I'm thrilled today to be talking to Brendan Mahan, and we are going to tackle the dreaded mornings the morning chaos that comes to most families with ADHD. Thanks for being here, Brendan. I always enjoy talking to you. You're a font of wisdom when it comes to ADHD. Will you start by letting everybody know who you are and what you do?
2: Yeah. And, and thank you for having me on, by the way. I'm really glad that we've connected over the past several months. It's it's awesome to finally yes. be talking to you. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So I am an ADHD coach, consultant, and speaker. So I work with all of the age groups, kids, parents, adults. um, And I do professional developments for schools, everything from preschool through college, for businesses, for mental health agencies, and community groups, and parent groups, and that kind of stuff. And I also have a podcast called ADHD Essentials that is aimed at parents affected by ADHD, either because they have it, their kids have it, or both. but it really mm-hmm. applies more broadly than that. Um, and the, the podcast is fun because I pull primarily from three silos, ADHD and mental health experts, um, parents, obviously. And then something that I think mm-hmm. is fairly unique about my podcast is that I also interview school staff, so principals and teachers and that kind of stuff, because so much nice. of a kid's day happens at school and so many parents yes. don't know what that looks like. So part of my mission with the podcast is to shed some light on that school experience. And that's because I used to be a teacher. So I have that background. I've worked as an English teacher and a history teacher. Um, And I even spent a little bit of time as a part-time interim principal at a private Islamic school in my town. I'd been consulting with them and the principal had to go on maternity leave. So I stepped in for a little while. Oh, wow. So yeah. So my background is heavily education and then informed by, by... Mental health counseling stuff. I've got a master's in Ed and a master's in counseling, and I've done. I've worn both of those hats.
1: And you're an adult with ADHD. I am. You also lived it, right?
2: Yes. Yeah. I've been looking at ADHD eyes for 42 years now, so I get it. And I'm the father of identical twin sons who are 10 years old, which is a lot like having ADHD, even if you don't. But I, of course, <laughs> do. Um, and we're starting to. Find some ADHD stuff maybe going on there too. So those yeah. those diagnoses are likely to be coming soon.
1: Good old genetics. Yeah. Yeah. So let's jump into mornings because this is I, I see this issue for parents constantly, daily, really, in the forums that I moderate in the online groups, parents are constantly saying mornings are the worst. Mm-hmm. They're just chaotic. My kid doesn't get anything done. I have to nag. I'm so tired of saying the same thing over and over. You know, why does it have to be this way? It's too stressful. I'm always late for work. What in the world can I do?
2: There's so many places to start. Um, so I'm right. going to just kind right. of shotgun some stuff, and then we'll play with it as we go. If that's just okay, jump. Yeah. So the three places I want to start. Not that I have ADHD and like to start in multiple places all at once, um, but, <laughs> but the three places that I, that I want to start, the three things that are really your big ideas for the morning routine is one, the morning routine starts the night before. It doesn't start in the morning. Mm-hmm. Two, you have to define your goal for the morning routine. What's your primary goal, your secondary goal, and maybe your tertiary goal? Probably, those are going to be things like get out of the door on time and eat something reasonably healthy. Typically, those are right. your main goals. And the third thing that is critical in all of this is in the same way that executive functions develop last in the brain, your executive functions also wake up last in the morning. <laughs> so, so true. Yeah. So if your kid is struggling to get things done, you might be asking too much of their executive functions. Even if what you're asking of them is not that hard at noon, it might be more than they can handle at 6.30 or 7, depending on when you get up. Yeah. And maybe you're asking a lot of your own executive functions as well. So Mm -hmm. simplifying the morning routine is critical.
1: Yes yeah, that was a big thing for us is how do I make this as simple as possible? What can we do so that there's very little decision making in the morning, there's very little um, working memory needs in the morning. you know, there's very little sensory overwhelm in the morning, so many different things that mm-hmm. can really play into causing meltdown or things like that that simple is the key for sure. Yeah, and
2: interact less. I'm a fan of not interacting too much in the morning. (laughs) Um, Yeah. Like, yeah, first of all, I can play with my morning routine if that's a good, if that's okay. Does that work? Yeah, sure. So my morning routine looks like this. My, we are all up by six 30 in the morning. So my wife gets up, theoretically, she gets up at six, but my alarm goes off at six and she's already up and going and in the shower. So I don't know what's happening there because she's getting up before me. Um, also her, her clock is usually not accurate. <laughs> so it might be that her clock, her alarm's going off at six, but it's really five to six and she just moves fast.
1: Yes. Um,
2: yeah. So, cause I use my phone and she uses a clock. So mine is like internet accurate Super and hers accurate. is like whatever time yeah. she set it to accurate. Um, but so my alarm goes off at six. I'm going to be honest. I'm probably not getting up out of bed until 615. In fact, I have a second alarm that goes off at 615 so I'll be straight with you. Like that's an ADHD thing that's hitting me a little bit. Um, I need that extra 15 minutes to kind of get myself moving. But then
1: I oh, I have like four snoozes. <laughs> I set my alarm almost an hour earlier than I have to get up. It, it's not just an ADHD thing. It's so, yeah, it's just hard for some of us to get up. Yeah.
2: So my wife is doesn't have that problem. My wife is like up and going. She also falls asleep really well, which I'm also jealous of. But uh but mm-hmm. her executive functions, Penny, they're they're so sexy. Like her executive functions are amazing. <laughs> and it's why I married her. Um <laughs> but she's her frontal lobe. Her frontal lobes are like glorious. Uh, I'm pretty sure she married me for my social emotional skills, though. So it balances out. <laughs> um right. so I get up, I like go to the bathroom, and I immediately start preparing breakfast for the boys. Now they're 10. So theoretically they could be doing this, but why have that battle? Why make the morning harder than it needs to be? Um, Yeah. Typically on Sundays, I make a whole bunch of pancakes. And so I can, we don't eat all of them. And I throw them in the fridge and then I'm pulling extra pancakes out most of the week. Yep. Um, Yep. So I've got like breakfast is pre-made in a lot of ways. I make some hard boiled eggs. I make some bacon. I make some pancakes. I try to get that stuff done on Sunday. And then there's like fruit, so strawberries or grapes or something. That's typically what a mor- what a breakfast looks like in the morning for us. Every now and then there's cereal. Every now and then there's like an egg or waffle or something. But usually it's some version of pancakes or homemade waffles, um, hard boiled eggs, bacon, and fruit, and chocolate milk. Um, so it's and because it's pretty much the same thing every time, it make it's easy for me to make. Mm-hmm. So a lot of that yeah. stuff is done in advance. So I make their breakfast. I literally put the breakfast on the TV t- tray tables and they eat breakfast in the den while watching TV. Which I'm not like a huge t- TV guy. Like I tend to be avoid screens. But here's the deal. Right. My kids have 45 minutes from when they get up to when they leave the house. The TV keeps them entertained, keeps them chill, lets them at, like wake up. It lets their executive functions start going yeah. and they can roll out to school. I do have a rule about it though. For a little while, they were watching YouTube videos like Dan TDM and stuff. I, I monitor their YouTube use pretty tightly. It was all appropriate stuff. They weren't getting sent down like hate filled rabbit holes or anything like that.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: But, yeah. but what I noticed was the nature of those videos is very stimulating and was causing them to be upset later in the day. And it's mm. also pretty intense. And so I said to them, here's the deal. You, I'm okay with you watching those videos after school, but in the morning, whatever you're watching, it has to be a story. So I'm sort of building some social muscles with that a little bit because they're coming in, they're visiting their friends. Right now they're in doing Captain Underpants. So it's a lot of George and Harold on Netflix. Um, but they're sort of watching these like silly interactions and fun interactions and seeing George and Harold, who are not really their friends, but we all know that when we watch a TV show, it feels like our friends are there. Yeah. And, and it helps them wake up more gently and wake up where they don't really mm-hmm. have to know what they're doing. Half the time they're watching an episode they've already seen because they're not really paying attention.
0: Um,
1: yeah.
2: So that's kind of their morning. It's very passive until it's time for them to make lunch. So I give them breakfast. They, watch, they usually get an episode in, and then it's time for them to make lunch. And while they're watching that episode, I've made part of their lunch. So I make like the peanut butter sandwiches and I cut up an apple because that stuff is just time consuming enough and just sort of skill. It's just one notch of skill level above what they can do fast. They can do it.
1: They just can't do it fast.
2: Um, So I set that up for them and then it's they're off to get lunch in the basement grabbing like, fruit and um chocolate milk and chips or whatever. And then they throw right. all that stuff in their back, they throw all that stuff in their lunchbox, they put it in their backpack. Sometimes they have 5 or 10 minutes before they have to go to the bus and sometimes it's just time to go to the bus. In the meantime while all that's happening, my wife has taken a shower and sits at the kitchen table drinking her tea and usually poking around on the news somewhere on her on her smartphone um and then she walks the dog at 7 a.m so i'm kind of puttering in the kitchen my wife is in the dining room and my kids are in the den and it's a straight shot from den to kitchen to dining room so we can all see each other and talk if we need to but we're all kind of doing our own thing we're all kind of taking care of the stuff we need to take care of for the day but there's not a lot of heavy interaction and because of that there's not a lot of conflict everybody's waking up Right, right and that's that's the whole point of the morning. Um, mm-hmm. Every now and then. So when do they get dressed? Immediately after waking up. I don't even have to guide them on that. Gotcha. They just, they get up, they wake up, they get dressed. Um, and then they come out and sit and veg at the TV. For breakfast. Okay. Yeah, and I'm just you know visualizing brushing.
1: in my head what you guys are doing. And I'm like, wait a minute. They're still in their pajamas. Oh yeah. No, sorry. They, off to the bus. They're dressed
2: before they come out of their bedroom. <laughs> most of the time. Gotcha. Awesome.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Yeah.
2: The biggest trick they usually, the only struggle we have is socks and shoes. So sometimes they Mm -hmm. forget to put socks on and they don't, they just don't put their shoes on until they're walking out the door.
1: Right. Right. You're so together. That hot breakfast is like something I would never, it's just, I'm, I'm not a morning person. Mm -hmm. So, and you know, so, I will share what I did for mornings to get things under control too. Um, when my son was probably seven or eight, I decided to try yet another checklist and they had all failed before, but I was pretty desperate about mornings because I was pretty tired of fighting and being so enormously stressed out, um, and it was kind of clouding the day for all of us. You know, we all went our separate ways to do our separate things, but the whole day we were all in a mood mm-hmm. um, and it just seemed unnecessary and unhealthy. Um, so I created just this little four by six checklist. I laminated it and I had only the things that had to be done that morning, but everything that had to be done to be ready to walk out the door. So it had, you know put your clothes on, put your dirty pajamas in the dirty clothes basket, brush your teeth, switch with mouthwash, eat breakfast, put on your shoes and socks. And then at the end he got screen time because up until that point I had never allowed screen time in the morning because how would we ever leave the house? Right? Like he would just get so consumed that there was no getting anything else done. Mm. And and it was a big motivator for him. It still is a big motivator for him, um, you know, gaming and because that's where he's super successful. And he's kind of the authority among his friends about some of the games and stuff. You know, it makes him feel really accomplished. And so this was a big motivator for him. And, and he had this laminated card that he could carry with him because he was doing some things in his bedroom. He was doing some things in the bathroom. He was doing some things downstairs in the kitchen. So wherever I would have posted it, he still wouldn't have been able to track. Mm -hmm. Um, And then I just had a little paper clip that clipped to the side and it just slid up and down to point to where he was in the process. And then at the end, it was, hey, you're done It's screen time as long as we had 20 minutes or more left because that was the amount of time where he could feel like he had a decent enough amount of time to get up and walk away. Um, And it worked like magic. Awesome. Magic. And now... 10 years later, he still has that same routine. He still, you know, we lost the card after, I don't know, nine months at most. Awesome, And he has been using that exact same routine ever since. That's great. Um, it was really powerful. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and, it, and some other things we did, we had the same breakfast every day for a long time, like you were describing. Um, we chose breakfast the night before. We knew what we were going to have. Um, that would, didn't always work because there was a lot of indecision in the morning. And it really didn't matter that we made a choice because now we were thinking something totally different after sleeping and we really, really wanted something else. Mm-hmm. So that wasn't always successful, but it can work for some kids. And um, that's... I have known... Go ahead.
2: I I was gonna say, and that's, that's a critical element to this too, right? Is you sort of skipped over it a little bit, but you did as much as you could the night before you set that up too. Mm -hmm. So like one thing Mm -hmm. neither one of us talked about was putting anything into a school backpack and then bringing it out of the door because that's in my house. And I'm assuming in yours too, that stuff happens the night before this backpack is already packed. And, yep,
1: and one the clothes are laid out. Yeah. Yep.
2: And one critical piece, this isn't morning and evening routine stuff, but it's something I like to mention when I talk about backpacks, is your kids' backpack should be in a public place near the door that they got, they're gonna leave all the time. I don't care how old they are. And the reason for that is because when they become teenagers, and now we're worried about like, you know, poor influences and risky behavior and that kind of stuff. Mm -hmm. If all of a sudden the backpack disappears from that public place and starts going into the bedroom, and more than once, not like one shot, not a big deal, but if it's going there more regularly, that's a data point. That's something to start wondering about. Doesn't mean they're doing anything bad. It just means that we need to correct that, hey, the backpack goes on the hook or whatever, and you get to wonder, does this mean anything? Does it match up with any other behaviors that I'm seeing? but we lose that data point if the backpack starts living in the back in the bedroom in fifth grade.
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a totally good point that I hadn't even thought about. We have a backpack spot. We have a shoe spot. Mm-hmm. We, you know, we have lots of spots where things live and the backpack and the shoes are by the door to the garage because that's where we go in yeah. and out. Um, other, and, and then you're not searching for 20 minutes for that lost shoe. Right. When you were supposed to have already been out of the house. Yeah. You know, you're, you're trying to circumvent any potential issues that might come up in the morning, anything that's going to be lost and you have to search for anything that requires decisions. That was a big one for us. Making decisions when you're half asleep, you, you know, a lot of people can't be decisive and my son certainly could not be decisive when he had just woken up. Mm -hmm. Um, and you know, I, I, Always laid out his hygiene because it would not get done if I didn't. So the toothpaste was on the toothbrush next to the sink. The mouthwash was in the cup. It was my way to be able also to check to see if he had done it. Although that's awesome. He learned after a while to just wash it off and pour it out, and he didn't have to do it, but I would think he did. So, you know, I have a very clever, um, inventive kid. Yeah, you do. Which is awesome for him, but it's also a real challenge for me. You know, checklists, a lot of times had failed because he would just check it off and say he had done it. He wouldn't even read the checklist. He would just check it off and say, here you go, I'm done.
2: Mm-hmm.
1: Didn't have to work at it at all, you know, but he was trying to make somebody think that he had done all that hard work when he hadn't. You know, whiteboard lists, he would erase. Whiteboard... um reward systems he would erase you know that he had five dollars and put 25 (laughs) like he was (laughs) you know super clever um and those are things that you have to work around when you have that kid and figure out you know how do you how do you make these situations where you have the power to check and make sure things are done um And I don't
2: know what the deal is with ADHD and the resistance to brushing your teeth, but that is totally a thing. I, I fall victim to it. Even I'm 42 and I still, there's times when I'm like, ah, stupid brushing my teeth. And yeah, one thing I found that works pretty effectively is if I'm having that resistance, I just won't use toothpaste. So I'll, cause I'm still like, Toothpaste is mostly the illusion of something, right? It's just a minty flavor and foam that doesn't really need to be there. So it seems like you're doing something important. Um, There is a little bit of an abrasiveness that comes in, but every now and then not having the abrasion is not the end of the world. So Mm -hmm. if I'm having that resistance and that internal stupid rebellion around oral hygiene, I'll brush my teeth with the toothbrush without the toothpaste. And I'm going to rinse my mouth out with Listerine anyway. So I'm still getting the minty, now my breath doesn't smell terrible thing happening. Um, and that might, for your listeners, if that if they've got a kid that's a little resistant, maybe giving them that release valve every now and then of like, just just don't use the toothpaste as long as you're using mouthwash too. That might be a way to let them mostly use toothpaste, but sometimes brush their teeth when they don't want to.
1: Yeah. And I think for us, it's some of that autism is playing in too, because he does have that dual diagnosis, Mm -hmm. but it, for him, it's just, he doesn't see the importance. And, you know, nine months ago, he had a huge amount of dental work done three or four cavities because he wasn't brushing well. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, I made the point, Hey, look, this is what happens when you don't brush well. And that just doesn't stick. That has not, um, because he doesn't see the importance now in the moment, mm-hmm. you know it's now or not now, um, and he does dental work like a trooper, so <laughs> it's like, okay, so what you know, it's so hard sometimes to find the why that our kids with ADHD are so intensely looking for. A
2: why for toothbrushing that is really a fun for toothbrushing is there is a toothbrush. I'm not remembering the name of it. my kids used to have it that um it connects to your ipad and yeah this is amazing it's super cool it got my kids brushing their teeth way more effectively what it does is the ipad on the screen shows up like teeth like your top and bottom teeth only not yours but like models with little sugar bugs on them and little like like plaque and stains and stuff it's mildly gross but it's cartoony so it's not that bad and then you brush your teeth and the angle of the toothbrush projects itself to the iPad and the iPad knows what part of your teeth you're brushing. And fo- I out. swear to God, foam shows up <laughs> on that part of your teeth and it just like goes around and then eventually those teeth turn, that part of your teeth turns white and you move on to the next one. And it, so it gives you about how long you should be brushing your teeth at each area. It gives you credit. And it's also got that screen interaction that so many kids like. I wish I could remember the name of it, but I'll go poke around and see if I can find it later. it's a game. I'll find it because
1: I'm so going to order that. It's a
2: little bit of money, but if it's going to get your kid brushing their teeth, you're going to save a ton in the long run.
1: I was going to say, yeah, those cavities were about a grand. So yeah, yeah, it's worth it. (laughs) It's totally worth it. That's amazing. Yeah. I mean, there are so many like sensory, um, toothbrushes too. We've tried several before. There's one that has an angled double head so Mm -hmm. that if they just brush along the top, it's actually getting the back and the front as well. Um, I'll I'll post links in the show notes for folks to some of those alternative to- toothbrushes yeah. cuz I know this is an issue for so many of our families who are listening. Yeah. Um, the one
2: I'm describing is motorized and- so that sensory stuff may or may not that might be too much for some kids it might be a wonderful yeah. experience for other kids. So but that's yeah. that one the one yeah. I described is motorized.
1: I always use motorized for him because I think it's doing a better job when he's not doing such a great job, but yeah. who knows? Anyway, you know, I mean, there and that's what we're talking about. Here's all of these little battles mm-hmm. that just pile up to being this heavy, stressful morning. And when you figure out what works for your kid in these different areas, you can reduce that stress. And then you know, we're talking about individuals,
2: Yeah. And, and, and then on toothbrushing, right? Like having spoken to my dentist, as long as you're brushing once every 24 hours, you're fine. Like you, you Mm -hmm. should be fine in terms of oral hygiene. So if toothbrushing is a battle and you're like a brush in the morning and in the evening kind of, kind of family know that mm, maybe not. I mean, talk to your personal dentist to get their advice, but if they're going to be like, yeah, it's cool to brush once a day, what time of day is the best time of day brush your teeth then and call it done. Like that's, that's a thing that you can do as well. Like I know for me, I don't brush my teeth in the morning. Cause then I don't want to eat breakfast because I'm minty and it's blech. so I, if mm. I'm going to brush my, or I shouldn't say it that way. When I brush my <laughs> teeth, I do it after I eat. So, right. But my mom was always like, you got to brush your teeth as soon as you wake up. Probably because I had horrible morning breath and she didn't want to smell it. But I resisted that mainly because I wanted to enjoy my breakfast and I wasn't going to be able to otherwise. So that might be a battle you can end just by saying, okay, brush your teeth after breakfast.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I think as parents we get caught up in um, kind of this traditional parenting, what our idea of parenting is that we've grown up with and has developed our whole lives. And it's pretty ingrained Mm -hmm. and, you know, I see parents say all the time, well, a nine year old should be able to choose their clothes and get dressed and eat breakfast. Well, you know, a neurotypical nine year old might be that on top of things and that motivated. But your kid with ADHD, functioning wise, is maybe six or seven in a lot of areas. So expecting that they're going to do all these things on their own and that there's something wrong because they can't, um, under the current premise of, I should just tell you to get ready and you get it all done then you know, you're setting yourself and your child up for failure. Yeah. Your expectations are too high. And expectations that are out of reach is a true recipe for stress yeah. for everyone.
2: Yeah. And even getting dressed, right? Like That's a good example. I care about my kids getting dressed in a way that is appropriate for the weather. That's it. Yep. So if you're, yep. a, if you're a parent whose kid struggles to get dressed... And you're also a parent who's like, why are you wearing that outfit? That doesn't match or that's not a school outfit or that's whatever. Mm -hmm. Maybe shut up about that. And just if they got dressed great, as long as it's weather appropriate, like if they're wearing shorts and it's snowing out, they probably need to change. But if they have stripes and plaid on at the same time, big whoop, as long as they're dressed and they're going to school.
1: Yeah, I was that parent. I learned to let go. For me, it was always, well, it's going to harm them socially if they look crazy on the outside <laughs> because I grew up with social anxiety. So this was a big deal for me in my thought process. And I learned to let go of that for my kids. Mm-hmm. Um, I was really lucky that, and still today at 17, my son doesn't care what he wears. So, you know, when he was younger, I handed him clothes and he put them on and he was happy. Mm-hmm. So I grabbed something weather appropriate. He he typically cared more about what shoes he wore than anything else, and so he got to pick what shoes again, as long as they were weather appropriate. And you know, battle averted over clothing. And the other, you know, I think that's
2: no. I was going to say, and another another way that that's important is if you're like a fashionista parent, recognize that if you're picking your kids, uh, if you're picking your kids' outfit in the morning. You're using your executive functions to do that and you're wearing down some of that early morning limited executive function. So pick that outfit the night before. This is a great example of something else that can happen the night before. You can make lunch the night before. You can pack the bag the night before. You can pick out clothes the night before. All of that stuff doesn't have to happen in the morning.
1: Yeah, I actually have known some people who had their kids get dressed for school before they went to bed. And, like sleep in it. they slept in their clothes. They jumped up and ate, did brush their teeth, went out the door. To me, that's super we, I don't know. I just find that <laughs> yeah. kind of gross. But I have met and come across many, families who do this and who swear by it, um, that it completely changed their mornings. Mm -hmm. Um, I guess, you know, if your kid doesn't get sweaty when they sleep and stuff, great. You know, if they shower, put on clean clothes and then jump in the bed, that might work. You know, it could work for some families. Um, any, any point of disagreement or contention or decision-making that you can not do in the morning, you're always going to be better off. Yeah. So whatever you can push to the night before, whatever you can avoid altogether, you know, avoid disagreement, avoid points of contention, just and, don't go there in the morning.
2: <laughs> yeah. And, and that brings us to that other theme that I talked about at the jump, which is what's our goal, Right. Mm -hmm. Because we've touched on executive function, waking up blast. We've touched on we can move stuff to the night before because that's when the morning routine starts. But the other part here is what's the objective from the morning? And I just did it by accident, but I said, what's our goal, right? It's your kid's goal too. It's the whole family's goal. And so, yes, yes. and and the trick is your kids have to know that and they have to be looking at the morning routine and lots of other stuff too, for that matter, because this expands beyond morning routine. But your kids have to be approaching the morning routine with that perspective, and so do you. And, mm-hmm. and the goal is not to argue less, because the reason you're arguing is that you have different goals. The, you need to get the same goals, yeah. and then your arguing will get reduced. It might not go away because you're in that habit, but, but it'll reduce itself. So probably your morning goals are to get out of the house on time, to eat something reasonably healthy. Anything beyond that is third at best. Like looking fashionable is less important than eating well and getting out on time by a pretty wide mm-hmm. margin. Um, but you still might care about that. If you're a family that does homework in the morning, how does that affect getting out on time and oh, eating healthy? And if you're a family that argues a lot too, then maybe that's causing the arguing. And if you can move that somewhere else, how do we reduce it? Um, And it means that you might need to think outside of the box a little bit. Like I had a family that the the kid was super school resistant and all kinds of ways that came out. A lot of it was around hygiene and sort of hovering upstairs and not coming down to do stuff. And an amazing piece, this was in my coaching groups that I run, it floored me that this worked as well as it did for this particular family. Cause I was like, well, do you have a bathroom downstairs? And the mom said, yes. And I was like, well, why don't you just buy like two toothbrushes, two hair brushes, two things of toothpaste, extra hair gel, and just put that stuff in the base in the first floor and in the upstairs. And then she can get, come downstairs and do all of that stuff downstairs in the morning. And at night she can do it upstairs and it worked. Because now when the daughter came down, some of what was happening was she was a part of that family dynamic that was happening downstairs, and she felt less separate from the rest of the family.
1: Mm, Yeah.
2: So if you have a two-story
1: house... Helped her to engage. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Or, you know, a a hairbrush in the car. Right. Like... You know, you just have to throw out all these expectations of the way we get ready in the morning, the way the child should do things Mm -hmm. because we're shooting on ourselves and say, okay, what is going to cause the least friction and the most success to get out the door and meet those goals to get out the door? Mm -hmm. One goal for me, in addition, would be to get out the door in a decent mood. Nobody mm-hmm. is like super ecstatic leaving the house for school. None right. of us. But, you know, how do we get out the door in the best mood that we can? How do we avo- uh, avoid meltdowns? How do we avoid arguments? You know, that's a big piece of it for me because then that affects how he's going to do it at school. And that's, that affects how willing he's going to be to do homework after school, you know. Yeah, I've been thinking about the the this as day. we've been talking.
2: This whole conversation has reframed the morning routine for me a little bit. And I'm going to tell you how.
1: Um, I,
2: up until, I don't know, a half an hour ago, I've been thinking of the morning routine as an event, right? Mm
1: -hmm. And it's Mm -hmm. not.
2: It's a transition.
1: It is a transition.
2: Yeah, because our transitions set the tone for our events that come afterward. And the morning routine is that transition. It's setting the tone for the day which so it's not an event it's a transition and and that might help parents take a new look at it in terms of what you're doing with it um
1: yeah and and let's mention some tools really quickly too because I think that's also can be very valuable like a time timer mm-hmm. you know if your child um takes 20 minutes to brush his teeth because he just doesn't have an awareness of time then using a timer can be really helpful um what other tools do you recommend
2: one thing the time timer made me jump to this one thing you can do is some Most of our smart TVs nowadays have timers built into them where you can make them turn off at a certain time. Mm -hmm. Typically we do that at like 11 o'clock at night. If you're someone who falls asleep in front of the television and that's your, it's going to turn off. So it doesn't stay on all night, but you could also set it to turn off at like seven, 10 in the morning. If your kid's supposed to be out the door at seven 20, the TV just turns itself off. The kid could turn it back on, but that's a really clear signal. (laughs) Like, Hey, Charlie, it's time to bounce. You gotta get going. Um, so that might be something worth looking into on your television itself.
1: Another thing I would caution people about that one for a little bit though, because um for my kid, that would have made him irate. Yeah. I... That it just shut off right in the middle. So, you know, you have to know your kid and whether or not that would be helpful or hurtful. I agree <laughs> in and that situation. The, and... I was rushing
2: to get to another example. I apologize. The subtext of that was talk to your kids ahead of time, Um, like have that conversation. How do you feel about this? Would this help you? Yeah. Would this help you get out of the house better and disconnect from TV if it just turns off? Um, So I I wouldn't just have that that happen and not tell anybody. Yeah, I wouldn't not tell my kid and then suddenly the TV turns off at seven ten. But uh, but yeah, have that conversation first. Um, Another thing that's a a sort of a tool, but more of a, a reframe that the reframing our thinking stuff that you were you like to talk mm-hmm. about so much is if our goals are to get out of the house on time and eat a healthy breakfast, um you can throw a hard boiled be- egg in a bag, you can throw a pancake in a Ziploc bag. Your kid can eat breakfast while they walk to the bus if they need to. That's a choice. Yeah. Um yeah. So that's not really a tool, but it kinda is. So that as a strategy if if that needs to happen that way. Um
1: I've listed those in uh, my book, What to Expect When Parenting Children with ADHD. I actually have a whole list of breakfast items that can be eaten on the go.
2: Yeah. Um, Yeah. And then other tools are are things that we've kind of already mentioned that are less obvious. I'm trying to come up with stuff that's not as blatant. But having hooks that your kids' coats and backpacks are hung on that are near the door, that's a tool. If you don't have the area where they're going to leave from, organized in a way that is useful. And as a result, they're looking around for stuff. Then your morning routine is going to fall apart. So set that up. Um, Honestly, my wife's cup of tea is a tool because that's, she's using that to kind of calm herself down, get her head together, prepare for the day. And if you're spending all of your time chasing down your kid and you're not taking the time to get yourself ready for your day, then you're more stressed out than you need to be. And your stress might be the thing that's coloring your morning. It might not have nothing to do yes. with your kid. So as an experiment for a week and talk to your kid about it in advance, tell your kid that you're going to kind of let them do the morning routine and you're going to sort of hold, pull back and do your own stuff. It has to be for like a full week at least though, because the first two or three days you're going to be stressed out about, are they doing it right or not? And that's just going to make you anxious. Mm-hmm. So you need a few extra days where you get past that anxiety and you're like, "Hey, they actually pulled it off. It was a close thing, but they pulled it off, or one day they were late or something. Um, but that that's not exactly a tool, but it is a strategy. Um, other tools are yeah, things like sure. alarm clocks. If your kid doesn't wake up, well, there's all kinds of fun alarm clocks out there that will like roll off mm-hmm. the bureau and Clocky. go under the bed and stuff. and there's time there's clocks where you gotta shake it to turn it off. So, that gets you stimulated and woke, awoken. Some of them will turn lights on and, and kind of wake you up with light as well as noise or just light. So, that all of that stuff is there. Um, yeah. Um, honestly, even something as simple as a fun lunchbox that the kid enjoys packing can do it. Like the bed, some kids are really into mm-hmm. bento boxes and stuff. If that's going to get your kid eating and packing their lunch more, do that.
1: Yeah. Yeah, and there are apps for morning routines, too. Yeah. Um, you know, there's not everybody likes the show, but The Good Doctor, where the char- the main character has autism and he's a surgeon. Mm-hmm. Um, one of the very early episodes showed him getting ready in the morning, and he had a routine on his phone that um, would alert him when it was time to go on to the next task. So it was set for two minutes of teeth brushing, 10 minutes of shower, whatever. And it just kept him moving. And those apps really exist. They're mm-hmm. out there. Um, one is called Morning Ritual that I can think of off the top of my head. Um, there's also, and I, I want to say it's called Brilli or Brilla. I'm going to have to look it up, but it's a tech piece that you would have in your home. And the um, it has a screen on it, almost like those digital picture frames, mm-hmm. but it's showing the routine and it's helping them stay on track and to know when they're finished. And it has rewards tied in and an app for it and all this stuff. And I'll have to find it and see what it's called because I cannot remember cool. for the life of me right now. My son was too old for it by the time it came out but Mm. that's a really cool thing for especially for kids who are into kind of the tech thing or um gaming you know it feels kind of like a game when it's on this digital screen um that could be helpful for some kids too yeah Uh,
2: uh, one i guess last tool because it looks like we're running up on time but um another tool is music you can use that in lots of ways one it music affects us emotionally so if you've got some music playing that's not super energetic. You don't want to get obnoxious, but like is a little more upbeat and kind of helping us ease into the day and set a happy tone or a, or a positive tone. That's useful. And I've also, um, actually that same family that I talked about earlier with this daughter who was a little school resistant, the daughter, um, sort of, I talked to the mom, the mom talked to the daughter and we had, we had her set up a playlist for taking a shower Mm-hmm. And it because w- it timed out the shower well. And also within that playlist, one of the songs was designated as the washing your hair song. Yeah, Because this girl would shower and, ta- and wash her hair forever. And so limiting right. it to one song helped her manage that better because she just got lost in the sensory experience of shampooing her hair and took forever in the shower as a result. Yeah. And this was a way to reduce that sensory overload.
1: Or the kid who just stands in the shower and gets wet and doesn't wash.
2: Right. Like mine. Yeah. Yeah, This song means you're washing your face. This song means you're washing your hair. This song means you're washing your body. This song means get out.
1: Yep. Yep. And he actually listens to music while he's in the shower or videos. So, you know, as entertainment or to keep him um, kind of, happy doing a mundane task, Mm -hmm. you know, that really helps them music in general. But yeah, our first grade teacher was amazing. And she incorporated music in that exact same way. She would do classroom transitions to a specific song. So if this Mm -hmm. song came on, you knew that you were transitioning, you were putting your stuff away, you were going to your seat at your desk, and you knew that you had until that song ended to do it. And every day they were hearing the song, you know, two, three, four times a day, and it just became routine and habit. And I think that's what we're talking about here is creating these systems that become so habitual that we don't need the checklist. We don't need to nag. We, you know, it's just the way you do mornings at some point and everybody can get there.
2: Yeah. And we have an Alexa. So at 710, it says, this is your reminder, get ready to leave. And then at 7.15, it says, this is your reminder, time to go to the bus. And you can set Alexa to play a song at a certain time of day. So if you want to do that strategy you just mentioned, I don't even have to use my executive functions up to remember to play the Eye of the Tiger at 7.20 in the morning, because Alexa will do it.
1: Right. That's such a cool idea. That sounds so fun. You know, make it fun. I, I knew a family who had a dance party every morning. Mm-hmm. Every single morning. They put on music and they danced around for five minutes. And then they went on with their day. Like, that was how they closed out the morning and went to school, went to work. And, you know, it ended everything on a happy note. You know, they were energized. They were stimulated. It was fun. And, um, you know, they were laughing as they walked out the door. Yeah, And that's... That's really the goal is getting out the door successfully and, and in the right frame of mind for everybody to have a successful day. Awesome. Such great talk. Yeah. So many good insights and I, you definitely have it in your household down to a science and I love that because that's, that's really what works. I mean, honestly, that's what we're telling parents. That's really what works is to make it very routine. And very simple. um, My morning routine is so simple. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, to do the same thing every day, to do it the same way every day in the same order every day. That's how it becomes habitual. Mm-hmm. Um, but to try to interject fun, to interject, you know, something that your child enjoys that, you know, you with your boys with TV, my son with, you know, gaming or whatever he chooses when he's ready to go, you know, all of that stuff is really helpful to, show them that we're acknowledging who they are and what works for them and setting them up for success. Um, I always drove my son to school because the bus was an absolute nightmare for him, Mm -hmm. sensory wise and everything else. And so I always drive him to school and he for a long time would have like, at first, a leap Pad, because that's how old he is, and then, you know, maybe a Nintendo DS, and now it's music. As a teenager, it's just music, but those mornings with that on the drive to school, he got out of the car a whole lot better, um, a whole lot more calm than if we drove to school and he had nothing to do. And all he did was perseverate on the fact that he had to go to school and that it was going to suck and that he didn't want to be there. At, you know, so think about that piece of the transition too. what can we do that just helps them to calm and be prepared to maybe do some hard things in the day. Yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Thank you so much. I always enjoy talking to you. I love your strategies. I love that. And and they come from a place of experience, I'm sure, but you definitely come up with some stuff that I've never seen or heard of or thought of. And I love sharing that kind of thing. Thank you. And I super appreciate it. Um, so for everyone listening, you can get links to all of these tools and resources that we've mentioned in the show notes at parentingadhdandautism.com slash zero seven three for episode 73. And I will see everyone on the next episode.
0: Thanks for listening to the Parenting ADHD Podcast. If you connected with this episode, please share it on social media. Be sure to visit ParentingADHDandAutism.com to join the conversation and take advantage of Penny's online courses and summits, retreats, parent coaching, and fantastic bonus content.